and welcome to the Yerky Boys. May the Candrona shine and strengthen you. My name is Will. My name is Jonathan. And we are the Yerky Boys. The Yerky Boys. Boys. I, I don't think we're going to get better at that. <laughs> well, that's probably right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we are, talking about the Andalite Chronicles. We finally wow. made it. Wow, this is our, exciting. This is a big day. It is. Our first Chronicles. Our first canonically important non-main series Animorphs book. Yeah. Exciting. So, so that's pretty cool. Now, if people didn't listen to last week's episode and didn't listen or, or read the title of this episode, mm-hmm. you should know we're only covering part one of the Andalite Chronicles on today's episode. Yes. That means that it should be a little shorter than usual, so we have plenty of time to fuck around and go on tangents. Technically, that's what it means. I don't think that's what's going to happen. (laughs) I think that that's... I'm predicting a 90-minute episode today. Okay. I mean, in theory, if if we had the same amount to say about every, every word in the book, it would be about 90 minutes. Yeah. So about ni- I'm saying 90 I'm saying 90 plus minutes. I mean, I'll get behind 90 or more. <laughs> yeah. Now, a couple of things before we get started. There's this is it's a big episode. This is a monumental episode. People don't want mm-hmm. us to waste time. They want us to get into the Andalite Chronicles and talk about it cuz this is a big yeah. deal. People are champing at the bit for these chronicles. They're champing the fuck out of that bit. Uh, first, I just want to say I watched uh, Bugs Life last night uh-huh. on Disney Plus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold on, this is relevant. Okay, okay. Just, I just want to say it was hard to. A Bugs Life hits a little bit different. It's a little bit hard to really root for these ants after having read Animorphs. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, I I could see where that would be true. Because I'm like, these ants are fucking... This is ant propaganda. I don't buy this. I know now that ants are soulless monsters that wage constant war with one another. (laughs) That's true. And this movie is trying to be like, oh, look how cute the ants are. They're not. (laughs) They're fucking horrible. It's good. I'm glad uh, Animorphs has ruined at least one other media property for you. Yeah, other thing I'll say about A Bug's Life is, well, A, it's not that good to begin with, but B, <laughs> uh, kind of problematic, that movie. Uh, and some, You know, putting aside the fact that Kevin Spacey voices the villain, he actually does a pretty good job. There's like a, well, there's a lot hey of jokes now. about a ladybug. Sorry, he's a bad actor. There's a lot of jokes about a ladybug, like, you know, who's a guy. And, like, the, just the whole joke is that people think he's mm. a girl. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> There's also 90s. some, like, foreign, like, for some reason, the caterpillar is German. And, like, these little bu- other bugs, I think, are supposed to be Japanese, maybe. They just, they're kind of <laughs> borderline offensive. It's, it's okay to make fun of German people. It is confusing because I'm like, why is this bug germ? Am I to understand that this caterpillar came from Germany to North America and joined the circus troupe? You know? Anyway, this is not the Bugs Life podcast. 
This is the Animorphs podcast, and we actually do have a little bit of sharing to do, which I guess we can do now before we get into the book proper. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, we've been behind on our sharing because our, our episodes have been running uh, for so long. So yeah, maybe well, that- we'll finally be caught up. That's why we do the sharing first, so that we're forced to do it, because if we ha- waited till the end, we wouldn't have time. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this sharing, uh, once again, comes in from our friend Holy Spiritum, who uh, the subject line is real life yurks, question mark. Whoa. <laughs> and the inside, there is a link to an article published on May 10th of this year. Wow. From NewScientist.com about a new technology, a soft robot, a soft robot okay. two, two centimeters long with legs made from flexible silicone polymer <laughs> that is designed to be inserted through a tiny hole in the skull, deploys its legs on the surface of the brain. And uh, it places electrodes there, which could be used to help monitor and treat people who experience epileptic seizures or other neurological disorders. Wow. Has been successfully tested in a miniature pig already. Mm. Yeah, so, not sure I like that, that real-life so, yerk. Yeah, do you think these are – what do you think? The question is, again, I'll restate it, real-life yerks question mark? What's your response? I don't know. I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I it's a noble idea for sure. Uh, but you know, I don't know when you start building it like a yerk. You know, mm-hmm. you think what maybe... if we get AI gone wrong? Or this could be <laughs> the yerks, but like this is actually the yerks. It's a scheme. Ah, yeah. Like there isn't actually a robot. It's just a yerk, and they're just telling people it's a new cure for seizures or whatever. This is actually pretty tangentially related to what my uh, dad did for a living before he retired, so maybe he's a yerk. <laughs> Man, that every word of that sentence, I really <laughs> was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, tangentially be... related to what my dad, huh, did, yeah. huh, <laughs> for work? Yeah, what? no, my, before, my, I mean, he retired this year, but he, he worked uh, as a neuroscientist, and he was specifically working in uh, with epilepsy, and, and basically a huge portion of his career was trying to analyze brainwaves and see if we could predict um, when seizures would come, you know, like a minute before they did from any of the signal and that noise because if you could do something like that you could do effectively with this is you could you could have an implant that could um put like an anti-seizure medication in like in response to an upcoming seizure or something like this i don't remember the details i didn't do this work myself Hmm. the point is maybe he's a yerk if this is the end goal of that tech it's like marco's dad right 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 yeah yeah Yeah. how did such a smart person have such a dumb kid I know, right? What the fuck was going on there? What's up with, what the fuck, eugenics? Yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about my brother, not me, though, because I'm very intelligent. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you want to assume, I won't correct you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Anyway, thanks for that sharing. Uh, If anyone else wants to share anything with us, then you can email it to us at theyerkyboys at gmail.com. All well and good shared. This is good. All well and good shared. And with that, I have no other business.
Yeah, uh, I think we are probably ready to start diving into this. And think um, about this. Think about this. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as this episode may or may not be, in the following two parts, the subsequent two parts, there won't be any more cover discussions because there's only one cover. That's true. Although I do have a question about that because on yes. Zeropedia, there yes. are three covers. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's let's talk about the covers. On Zeropedia, there are three covers. Uh, it says that there are three books and those, I guess, became the parts. I have never heard of this being released as three separate books before. This is the um, same thing that happened with Megamorphs. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. However, all three of those covers are on my copy. Uh, my copy has a fold-out cover. So the cover that they said for book one is the front cover here. And then if you open the inside, you get both of the other two covers. But then you can flip out the uh, the actual cover. And, and that's where you get your, uh, what do you call it, your little blurb from inside the book. Wow. So maybe yeah. we sh- maybe we should save the other two for the next episodes. Maybe we should. One and two are basically the same. Oh, and it says now you'll know the rest of the story in here. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. Know. On the front it says before the animorphs there was Elfangor, and I gotta say there are only three dots on this cover. Yeah. Oh, there's four on the now you'll know the rest of the story though. Okay, well they got it there, but on the front. They, somebody made an error and only put three. Yeah, mistake. We should also, just to ground people a little bit here, this this book came out in November 97. Mm-hmm. And this was, I mean, this is the biggest, the, the reason we're splitting it up into three parts is because each part is almost the length of a full book, a regular series book. Yes. So yeah, this no, is a the, big the- boy. The books are averaging about 150 pages right now. Uh, they are going to get shorter. This book is uh, 326 pages long. Yeah. So you do the math on that one. Yeah. Um, about, about two-thirds. Well, I, okay, you did, okay, you did the math on that one. Perfect. So, so it's, a, it's, it's a meaty book, and this is also a book that for people who don't remember, I I read some of these as a kid, and but not all of them, and not for a long time. I'm ninety nine, if not a hundred percent sure, I had this book. So, you know, some of these books, I'm like, I don't remember which numbers I read exactly. I'm pretty sure I didn't read the Megamorphs ones, but I know for a fact, I I, I like I remember this cover. It's a yeah. very memorable yeah. image. You had this book, yeah. Yeah, so I, I had this book. I don't. I have no memory of it whatsoever. None. It's, That's good. It, it completely left me. That's good. This was one of my most reread uh, ones as a kid. Uh, and actually, my copy has my name written in the front. Wow. It says Will in here in really sloppy little kid handwriting. Reminds me of Woody from Toy Story, which is a oh, yeah. Pixar movie. Yeah. Now, this um, is my personal Woody. And reading this, I was, don't talk about your personal Woody on the (laughs) podcast, please. (laughs) Reading this, I was like, how, it's crazy to me that I ever experienced this and could forget it. (laughs) Because it's, 
I'm just like, I can't even imagine being a kid and reading this and having a reaction to it. Like I, yeah, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I was saying uh, before, you know, and I don't remember if I said this on the podcast or if I said this as an aside to you off of it, uh, the Chronicles books kind of like you can throw out the window just how how crazy you think an Animorphs book can get. Because all of the most bonkers, wacky shit that has happened in the series so far, they're just going to, it's going to be like that constantly for the full 300 pages. Yeah. Well, it's pretty, people should be excited. People it should be it's, excited to listen to this. It's extremely exciting. <laughs> so the cover itself, we, we've got El Fangor standing proudly. Mm-hmm. In probably pretty the, hard. I'm not sure what you mean by that. <laughs> like he's a hard dude, you know. Okay, and yeah, now I see. Yeah, I, I, this, I, I want to say this is the most fully realized illustration of an Andalite we've seen thus far. I mean, we've had acts on the cover, but yeah, it's not quite as you know when you got to like mix it in with another morph and stuff. You got to make concessions, and I feel like here you can really see. The size, the thickness of that tail, like that's a thick tail. Yeah, and looks he looks very fuzzy. It looks much fuzzier than I feel like they've been seen depicted before. Yeah, they are supposed to be fairly furry, like soft. And like uh, Elfengor is a lot more cut, uh, probably because mm-hmm. Axe is just like a kid, so he doesn't. Right. Uh-huh. I also think that his stock eyes, I I feel like the eyes themselves are a little more oval shaped than I had been picturing them. They look more sinister and almost cartoony in a way than they than are I... a bit menacing. Yeah. Uh, they yeah, they kind of look like, um, do you remember the like weird purple, uh, slimes from monster blood Four, the goosebumps <laughs> book No. on the cover, the weird purple slimes, they had like stock eyes or something. I'm, I, unless I'm remembering something entirely different. I don't but, know that I read but the they monster looked blood like books. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, if you don't remember Andalites, then maybe you'll remember Monster Blood Four, <laughs> not the other three. To- those are totally different kind of Monster Blood. I don't even. I was a Knight of the Living <laughs> Dummy kid. I didn't really. Okay, I, I, that was my thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I was presumably he's on Andalite Homeworld in this picture. Yeah, or maybe he's in a dome. Uh, except the the yeah, he's you can see the sky. It's uh, nice and clear. So if he was in a dome, it would be space out there. Yeah, because they don't have, like, a projected sky in the dome, right? They just see... No, I made a a point of that because I was wondering about it in an earlier episode, but they Mm. do explicitly say here in this book, we'll see. Um, Yeah. And you can see these uh, Derishol trees coming up Mm. here. Those are the ones that look kind of like asparagus. Oh, right, asparagus. That's what I was going to say they look like, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, not like a dog penis or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now there's a ship in the background. Is that what what kind of a ship is that? Is that a is that the the Jafar or whatever it's called? <laughs> I think it could be the Jahar, which we will we will learn about the Jahar. Jafar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what Tobias sounds like, remember? Right. <laughs> um but it could just be a standard Andalite fighter. Um, because you, they've got that sort of general ship look, but then they've got their shredder beam on the t- mounted on the top, and it kind of curves up. They say it's reminiscent of a tail. Um, so you can sort of see that in the design here. 
Yeah, I suppose so. The front looks a little bit uh, Starship Enterprise-y, the way it's like a disc kind of shape up there. Um, is the, it a disc or is it just like a um, more actually, like a whale beak? I'm not you sure. Maybe right. Yeah, I'm not sure. The perspective is hard to tell. Also, I'm noticing like his tail. I don't know if I just never noticed this before. Like the tail, it's it's not like it turns into a stinger at the end. Like I feel like a scorpion tail, uh, you know, unless I'm wrong, yeah. it like yeah. becomes the stinger. Yeah. This looks like it's a regular tail and then like three or four inches down from the tip, they just stuck a <laughs> point on the end. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is the standard. Uh, I don't remember if that's what X looked like on his cover, but. It might have the just not been the angle that I noticed. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I also the, their ears are very pointy too. There's just I'm really admiring the all of their mm-hmm. physical features and I I want to fuck they're, him too. They're pretty attractive. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Look uh, at him, he's fucking jacked. <laughs> it is interesting. I don't think they ever described them as having pointy ears. Uh, and so I'm wondering if yeah. that's just kind of like a fantasy character trope or something. I don't know that I've been even picturing them with ears. I feel like they never mm-hmm. mentioned the ears. But yeah, there they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> there he is. All right. And no inside cover. There's the three fold, but no like fold in underneath or whatever, like usual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no like hole in the cover. There, I mean, there's an inside cover, but it's the third cover. Right, right. <laughs> right. So we should let's we'll save those, right? We'll save those yeah. for the other episodes. Yeah, let's save those. We could we can move on. We've spent enough time not okay. uh, starting this. Now I'm ready to begin. This is a okay. big deal. We gotta yeah. ease our way into it because this yeah. is a big. We got three episodes yeah. to cover this book. And by way of easing in, uh, this is once again dedicated to Jean uh, Fivel or Fivel Fiewel. I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she's the scholastic publisher she's been uh, dedicated to in the past. Oh, wow. Yeah. Go West. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Uh, Okay. Okay. So this book has a... Oh, and also... Yeah. Yeah. I'll just also say for anyone listening, Uh I have only read part one so far, so... I'm still, uh, you will be listening to this like as in the dark as I am if you're reading along in that, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very exciting because there's, there's things that get set up here. That we're going to see more of in, in parts two and three. And, uh, I'm, I'm very excited by the fact that you don't know how they're going to turn out yet. It's, yeah. it's great. I don't know. It's very yeah. hype. <laughs> get hype, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. It's hype. So. Three parts. Part one. This part is called Elfangor's Journey. Uh, and we open with a prologue. Hmm? Whoa. So the prologue to this book is, we remember the scene from the invasion where Elfangor is dying in the construction site. I don't site. remember that. Have they ever recapped that or anything? <laughs> it feels like it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a good thing they recap it here because I might have forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as he's lying there dying, he opens up his mind to his ship's computer to record his final thoughts since he knows he's about to die. And this, I suppose, in Andalite society is what is known as his Hirak Delest. All right. <laughs> yep. Is this final record of his life. Um, and as he's musing over his life, he mentions a whole lot of very 
uh, tantalizing things that are going to get talked about in this book. Uh, you know, that he's kept secrets from the Andalite his whole life. Um, that he's been to Earth before, but maybe somehow hasn't. He talks about a secret weapon called the Time Matrix. And he says he came to this construction site specifically because he was looking to find the Time Matrix. Uh, and he also talks about what he calls a long private war with Visser Three, and claims to have created him in the first place. So, good opening. Really <laughs> grabs you. <ya. laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I just just want to let's just recap here. Yeah, yeah. How long is this prologue? Three pages, four pages. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. In this in the span of these three or four pages, I'm now four. wondering. I just looked. It's four. Four pages. Here's what's in my head. Okay, what what's a time matrix? Mm-hmm. Okay. How did Elfangor create Visser Three? Mm-hmm. How has Elfangor been on Earth before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who is Lauren? <laughs> right. Yeah, he brings up Lauren. Uh, and he also mentions a a boy. Yeah. A boy I have just met, but not for the first time. Yeah. I'm, and I don't know, My I'm speculating that this is Tobias, but I it could be Marco or Jake, I assume, is who he's referring to. I could be way off. Uh, but these are all questions that I have right yeah. now that I'm just like, okay, what the fuck is yeah. happening in this book? <laughs> A whole lot is going to have to pan out here uh, in this book. <laughs> it really is, I mean, uh, a consolidation of some of the craziest shit just <laughs> thrown right at you right up front. Yep, yep. It, we're, uh, we're going on a journey. This is our journey with Elfangor here. It sounds like a Disney ride, Elfangor's journey. <laughs> now, okay, a couple other questions I have. Those questions uh-huh. we will have answered in time. Yes. But before that, well, first, I, I do, I like that this prologue is in present tense, which is, that's also different for Animorphs. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I guess it makes sense because that's how he's writing it at this time. Although... Isn't the rest of it is in past tense? So isn't it all part of his? Well, I guess he's saying now, but then he's telling you about the past. So yeah, it, it makes sense. Right, it makes this. Sense. Yeah, he's he's saying, all right, computer, I'm gonna give you my Heractalest, and then the Heractalest is all in in Wait, past so, tense. So we're. It's just occurring to me now. He's he's recording this like as he's dying, like in the first book. Yeah. So he say, how long did he fucking stay alive for it? <laughs> it? It says he opens his mind. So I'm assuming, right, that like the rest of it was like a stream of consciousness, like the way your life flashes before your eyes. But the computer handles it and turns it into a story. Okay, okay damn. The fucking chat GPT on the Andalite homeworld yeah. kicks yeah. ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe but... Kay Applegate just stumbled on his Heractalest, and she just plugged in and, and learned all of it and was like, I gotta write a story. Yeah, that must be it. I was also wondering what language this is in. I guess they kind of tell you, like, Thought Speak translates languages, but but then why is Heractalest not translated? I don't really yeah, understand. It, you know, and, and it, it kind of makes sense that if they don't have a word between uh, cultures, then then I can't understand what their word means. But then, then that does raise the question of, well, then I guess they must have words for stuff, right? That, like, <laughs> yeah. where does that come from? They can't, like, they're not making sounds with their mouths. 
Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, weird things like that that just kind of don't make sense, but it's fine. Yeah. Just allow them to have their funny Andalite words. I will. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. He also mentions the time ship, which we don't know what that is. Presumably related to the time matrix. I don't even remember exactly what you're referring to. Here. Right. He says, "I am too weak to locate the time ship now." As opposed to the time matrix? That's what it said, unless my copy has an error in it. I just have two different references to a time thing. Hmm. Does yours say I that? Don't know. I'm not sure where it would say that. I'm... I mean, it's it's like page two or three. <laughs> oh, it does say I am too weak to locate the time ship now. Strange. I'm not yeah. sure what that's referring to outside of the time matrix, but maybe I'm remembering. Maybe there's some specific thing. It's it's something related to the time matrix. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. E- either it is just that and and he's using different terminology or there's some specific thing that's specific to this book that doesn't really matter. Okay. Or it was just a mistake. <laughs> they, they forgot. There wasn't. A... Could be. Could be. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I also just, I mean, this has kind of been said before, but I do like that, um, in his dying thing, he's like, I have left, I have left a legacy behind by giving five completely random children superpowers. (laughs) The earth now has defenders. I'm, I'm leaving on a good note. (laughs) Like he's so confident that this is going to work out. (laughs) Well, you know, he might have reason to be confident. He says, Mm. he says something, uh, I don't have the exact quote, but he says something like, uh, you know, as, as I'm coming here and I'm seeing myself die and I'm seeing these kids, it feels like all the threads of my life are sort of coming back together and meeting. And I'm like realizing this is destiny or something. Um, and he might have reason to think that. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I, that's, that's fine. We'll see how that goes. It does, but I am reading it now. It does say, yeah, the computer records his memories I guess they just have magic computers. Is this also the first time, I don't remember at least, hearing Elfangor's full name? Uh, I feel like we said it before, but maybe not. In, like, book one, but, like, never since then. Okay, yeah, it's, it seems like it must have come up once, but yeah, yeah I didn't remember it. El- Elfangor's Serenial. <laughs> yep. Sham. Yep. Shamtol. Oh, Sham. Shamp- oh, sorry. Sorry, Sham. Sorry. I, I missed the last three letters. Shamtul. <laughs> yeah. Shamtul. I say Shamtul, but I don't actually know. Yeah. Okay. So that's four pages we just covered. <laughs> uh, but it's just really, it sets the stage for a wild ride that you're about to go on. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't have that much written for these four pages. I just well, felt because, like we need to stop. Because for you, th- like, if you know how this book goes, then this is just like, yeah, this is what happens in the book, you know? But, <laughs> right, true. But for me, going into this the first time, this is like, I, I can't believe all this fucking shit's going to happen in this book. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, yeah. <laughs> he, he leaves out a lot of stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on a journey. Elfangor's right. journey. Yeah, cut to 21 years before the events of book one. So, like, mid-70s or so, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Set the scene. The Yerks are loose. The war is still somewhat new, uh, but it's still been, it's been going for a little bit now. 
Uh, the Andalite dome ships overpower any Yerks they encounter, but the Yerks are everywhere, and the dome ships are spread too thin. Uh, and we see, we find El Elfangor as an Aerith on the dome ship Star Sword. Right? We remember what an Aerith is. That's a cadet Andalite. It's what Axe is. Mm -hmm. uh, and he is training Tailblade fighting with uh, Sofor, his, his Tailblade training guy, uh, who is very stereotypical, like, you know, the the mean, tough uh, weapons guy. Um, and Sofor is, like, showing him up, and uh, Elfangor kind of sucks, and Sofor is laughing at him. Um, so Elfangor is, is feeling a little bit embarrassed, and Arbron shows up. Arbron is another heiress, also on the Star Sword. Um, and he's kind of a jokester, which is weird <laughs> for Andalites. He's the only Andalite jokester we've met and probably will ever meet. So he's he's been watching and he's like making fun of Elfangor. Um, but then their arguing gets cut short because they get called to the bridge by Captain Feorn. So... <laughs> yeah. Not much has happened here, but I feel like there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're really... We're, we're diving right into full-on Flash Gordon, <laughs> you yeah. know, like Star Wars, you know, crazy space-faring lingo, weird alien names, completely immersed in this culture. Um, I was kind of, I mean, a, a little bit Ender's Game vibes. Hmm. Just the, like, I don't know, that may be a stretch, but just kind of the the general feeling of, like, we're, everyone's at war and like all the young people, it's a very, they kind of idealize the soldiers and it's, they really want to be respected and uh, make their way. Although we only, it seems like they're the only two heiresses on the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. ship. Yeah. It's not I mean, like they're like training they're, a fleet of them or something. <laughs> right. I feel like there's probably a, a, you know, a reasonable number of heiresses, but, um, you know, they can only take so many out. Right, because they got they, the heiress can't really do anything, right? Why They're just are they dead there? weight on the ship. <laughs> They're in training. You, they gotta eventually. You gotta go out on a mission, right? Uh, I guess. I guess. But are, are is there like an academy then that they're like? Is there a Starfleet for Andalites? I I would assume there is. Uh, I can't think of one, but that sounds right to me. That there's some kind of Starfleet, and then maybe when you're at like the highest heiress level, they'll like assign you to a ship. And then the captain okay. will be like, "Ugh, I got my heiress for the year. I got to take care of them. Ugh. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It's kind of, I mean, it seems like so for, like, he's just, his whole job is to train two assholes. <laughs> I mean, maybe he also is a warrior. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. He's probably, yeah. <laughs> it yeah, would, like, I mean, make more sense to me if there was, like, a dozen who, like, stayed on the ship for classes or something. It's, it is weird right. that there's only two. I don't know. It is a little odd. I mean, maybe Feyorn has some real pull uh, with the uh, the high command, and and so he's just like, I don't want I don't want Aerith on my ship. Where we, we, <laughs> I'll take two, right? The other dozen they go on other people's ships. Okay, yeah. Um, it it is a thing in this that Aerists are very kind of looked down on, right? They're kind of yeah. like, oh, those guys, they're not any good. You know, unlike us, we're the good, cool warriors who can fight. Yeah, and it's kind of fun because we get to see, uh, you know, Elfangor has just yeah. been this kind of mysterious Yoda guy. 
uh, and maybe an Obi-Wan is a better <laughs> analogy. And now he's, you know, we, we see that 20 years ago, he was just like a dumbass. Like, yeah, <laughs> so. he's just a silly kid. He spends a lot of his time being like, someday I'm going to be a great warrior and da, da, but then, you know, and as soon as I get out there, I'll be the best ever. But of course, like he still sucks. He's not any good at anything. Yeah. So yeah. Not yet. Now the name of this ship is the star sword. Yes, the Star Sword. Now that is extremely Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we don't know. I don't believe we know an Andalite name that's presumably translated from. But yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a sword. It's a weapon goes through the space. The Star Sword. You yeah, know? since I mean, since when did Andalites make swords? Like they have tails. That's a great question. That's a great question. What? Do they have, they use guns, right? Laser yeah. beams and stuff? Yeah, they have shredders. Shredders, right, right, right. They're like uh, Dracon beams, but I, they're, they're, Andalites always make a point of being like, they're more civilized. Dracon beams are more like cruel and, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, vulgar or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there, I don't know if there's actually a difference. <laughs> probably not, probably not. Um, so yeah, there's... There's a, there's a lot of fun stuff going on here. Uh, I I had you know I had some questions about Andalite culture and mm-hmm. logistics. Sure. <laughs> like, uh, how do they sleep? Probably like horses do. They they stay, sleep standing up. Sure. Maybe they get down. I don't. Do know. Do they have? Because he's I don't. He talks about his quarters. Yeah. And they're very small. Yes. So, like, he can't even turn around in it. So I'm like, he doesn't mention a bed being in there. Yeah, no, I don't think he has a, a bed. I, I mean, how is the centaur going to lie down in a bed? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm, maybe they have some weird yeah. pod or something. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he, he says everybody's got their quarters and everybody's got different amounts of room. So the Aerists have so little that they can't even turn around. And he says, and this is where they mention drift ball. He says the captain's uh, quarters are so big. He could play drift ball in them. Yeah. I like that drift ball reference there. Yeah, there it is. There <laughs> it is. There's about the drift, drift ball. ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. exciting. I also don't know why these guys are, why, why are the Andalites the only ones fighting the Yerks? Do we have, is it because no one else is strong enough or because they're apathetic or because the Yerks have already taken over every other species? I mean, it, yeah, it's hard to say, but it does feel like, um, there aren't that many other species that are as advanced, uh, as the Andalites in like interstellar war. Uh, and so a lot of the species are more confined to their own planets or systems or are just like merchant traders that are more spread out, um, and and aren't as I don't know it it, it is a, an interesting question, um, <laughs> and and maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. But there is this sense that like the Andalites have always been, even when they were at peace before the Yerks came, they were sort of like the like peacekeepers of the galaxy, right? Like they went around and made sure nobody fucked around too much, um, yeah. and it was mostly them. And you don't see other people doing it. So I don't right. know. It could just be that they're like the most advanced in this arm of the galaxy. Okay, sure. 
Or maybe Andalites are just, maybe other aliens are fighting back and Andalites are just so fucking stuck up. They're like, they don't even count. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they are. Uh, you know, they might just not be fighting back on the same scale. Like on a, you know, we send guys mm. to every system. But yes, a hundred percent, you know, it, it does, it's like what Axe is always saying, where he'll be like, and then we Andalites will beat the, uh, will beat the Yerks and they'll be defeated. And you humans will help too, I guess. <laughs> right. Why is America the only one fighting the Nazis? That's right. That's, that's uh, not that, uh, far off. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here i guess i i guess i jumped ahead a little bit talking about his quarters but i was no 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 this is this is basically we're just talking about the dome ship yeah um, yeah 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 because i mean <laughs> i have i mean i have a, it doesn't matter um that's yeah you can say what you want to say oh i was i was just gonna say because we're as long as we're talking about andalite stuff where they also bring up the electorate um and how the electorate has decided that uh, families can have more children now because they're at war. Um, yeah. Elfangor is already unhappy about having one sibling uh, because now he <laughs> has to do a wish flower ritual for his uh, little brother because his mother is pregnant. Uh, and so he has to do the wish flower ritual to welcome the newborn. Uh, in addition to his morning and evening rituals, Andalite's got a lot of rituals. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's rough. It's I don't really know what a, what a wish flower ritual is. Yeah, he's got to say a bunch of stuff at the wish flower. Right, of course, at the wish flower. Right, he's got a wish flower, so he's got to... <laughs> he talks about this in the book. He says, you know, and of course I have to do it at the wish flower, which is in my quarters, which I don't fit in, so I'm like sticking out into the hallway and... Looking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it sounds rough. It sounds yeah. it sounds really rough. Uh, yeah, Andalite society apparently is like kind of like China. <laughs> you can only have so many yeah. kids. <laughs> One child policy type thing. Yeah, no, and Andalites are very hierarchical and rules based. So yeah, like there there is this. The electorate is telling people what to do for the good of society, and that's how their families are going to run. They're not. They don't have that kind of individualism that we have yeah. here in America. Right. <laughs> fighters of nazis alone and right. uh there was also a mention of of minutes at some point and it did of mm. course make me question i don't like is an andalite minute an earth minute i mm. don't seems like maybe it just is <laughs> but yeah those might uh, be translated for our benefit right yeah okay yeah <laughs> that makes sense that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah but you know it seems like a cozy little home. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's uh, and it's fun seeing the dome ship again. Um, so they do get called up to the bridge, as I said, and they have to run there, you know, as fast as they can, because when the captain calls, you don't waste time. Um, and we get to meet uh, Captain Fayorn and Prince Briar, um, who you know they're 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 all like these big hero types, you know. So they're Elfangor's kind of in awe of them. Um, they are up on the battle bridge and we see, we see, though the Andalites don't know this, that we're in the Earth system. Because, uh, right, he describes all the planets and you're like, oh, that's Earth. Um, and they see mm -hmm. a Skritna ship leaving from Earth. Yeah. Which we don't know what the Skritna are yet, but we're going to find out. Um, and Feorn uh, asks the Aerists what they should do. Ha ha ha, everybody on bridge, you know. And Elfangor is like, you know, about to faint. Um 
So basically, <laughs> you know, uh, the Skritna are smugglers and renegades, and sometimes they're allies of the Yerks. So what they're going to do is they're going to basically chase them down, board them, and check for violations and stuff. Um, and the captain reveals the reason he called the Arists up is that Skritna ships are cramped with low ceilings, and the Arists are the only ones small enough to fit in there and board them. So. Um, yeah, so th- th- that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why the the Andalites are stupid. <laughs> There's that's that's the reason. Like it's I don't know. It just this does not seem there. They can't take the Skritna ship aboard their ship or something. And and like why they send them out in their own fighter. They don't even like make them tag along with someone else. I mean they're like part of the squad, yeah. but. They're for their. They have never presumably been on a real mission before. <laughs> they're now piloting their own fighter to go. I mean, I guess they're not really doing yeah. anything, but yeah, presumably Elfangor has piloted fighters before in uh, in like Aerith training academy. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I when I look at this scene. All I can think of is this is cop behavior, right? And when I was a kid, I didn't really think this. I was like, oh, yeah, you got to check out those script nod. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, what did these script nod do? What did, like, what, you see a script nod ship and you're like, oh, those guys, they're always doing things they shouldn't. Time to hassle them and stop them and jump aboard, board their ship against their wishes and download all of their computer data just to see if they're doing anything wrong. And they're all gung-ho about it, too. Like, oh, yeah, those, we're going to get those script. Nah. It feels like a bunch of cops. It feels like they see, <laughs> yeah. some, you know, I, I saw some uh, some car and, like, you know, they're they're flying while script. Nah. And, uh, and I was like, let's get the junior deputies to go in there and hassle them. Ha ha. These guys aren't a serious threat, but we want to hassle them anyway. Yeah. The, I, I shared this sentiment reading this. I really was trying to figure out, do the Andalites have this authority to just stop and intercept ships whenever they want? Or are they just doing it because they can? Like, they're not actually a force in the galaxy. They're not actually cops. They just are acting like cops, right? They have this authority because they have the power to do so. They're the self-appointed peacekeepers, right? But, like, yeah, right. But nobody, yeah, they appointed themselves. Yeah, nobody, like, voted (laughs) them to do this. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're like the Jedis, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Um, and it's um, funny because, like I was saying, I... As a kid, I just didn't see this aspect of it. As a kid, I'm reading it and I'm like, yeah, those those nasty Skritna are up to something here. Right. Um, and I, I do think, you know, when I talk about how like Animorphs shaped my politics and stuff, mm-hmm. I think this like part of it is this idea that like, you know, I'm very hard on Andalites in this podcast as well. I should be. But as a kid, you know, I didn't see any of that. Andalites were cool. They were They're the, the good heroes. guys. Right, they're the heroes, at least for a while, until, you know, the cracks start to show. Um, And so as a kid, I had to kind of go through this process of taking, like, well, of course these are the good guys, and of course they're doing the right thing, and of course they're good, and kind of come to this realization of, huh, they kind of suck, don't they? Like, they they do. They're not great. And, um, And I got to have that realization with Andalites before I had to have that realization about, like, America and the police as, like, an older teenager. Um, 
And and so I, I was just like, this is one of those things about fiction, right? Is that if, for children, <laughs> is that it gives you the opportunity to let let kids kind of go on this journey before they have to do it with something that's real. Team you Andalite know. Universe Police. <laughs> yeah, basically that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I definitely can see. I'm sure as a kid, like you said, I would not think twice about any of this. Skritna sound like bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, of course they're going to go stop them. Why wouldn't yeah. they? The right. same way the Jedi are going to go harass a, a guy in a black cloak or something. Yeah. They're thugs <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it really is. It really is a little bit objectionable here. It's extremely <laughs> objectionable. Yeah, yeah. Um. Some things I liked from this bit. I like uh, when Prince Nescord yells, where in a dark sun are those two Aerists? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like when they refer to Earth as being a level six civilization. Oh, yes, we're a level six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I don't know what that means, but that's... Um, I Oh, I also like when Arbron uh, says, if the Skritna put up a fight, we will put some tail into him. And, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and Captain Feyorn says, oh, that, that other one there, he thinks he's you, Briar. And everybody laughs. <laughs> Classic Briar. Yeah, this is what Prince Briar is like. It is a good phrase, put some tail into them. We yeah. also learn that uh, Andalites use hand signals on the bridge mm. because there's so much thought speech going around. They can't, like, it, it's too much. Yeah. So they've developed, a, like, a sign language which I think that's kind of cool. It makes sense. Yeah, that is kind of cool. I mean, sure. it's it's kind of cool, but it's also like <laughs> our our primary form of communication is turns out is actually so annoying <laughs> that we had to develop another form of communication. <laughs> I mean, it might just be so much of it because um because like you could you could imagine this on like a, a an actual human ship too, where it's like there's too much chatter. You need to to have a signal or mm. something like that because I can't hear. Can and they imagine... can at least do some private. Yeah. Yeah, you can. In Andalite, like in Andalite high school, you don't have to ever pass notes to anyone. No, <laughs> you can, that's you true. You can be having a full on fucking conversation all the time and no one will know. <laughs> yeah, the teacher could be talking about Saria Rips and you're over there sending thought speak messages like, do you like me? Yes, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, right? And then you yeah. accidentally send it to like, you know everybody oh no the the skank next to the girl you like (laughs) whoa now (laughs) i I thought it was okay to use skank because that's been used in the books before (laughs) that's true that's true i was gonna say dog (laughs) i think that was i think it was maybe changed to dog in in the revision (laughs) (laughs) i think i think you might be right if i'm remembering this classic classic mix-up there yeah it's fine we i respect women now, <laughs> I think I think another part of the problem on this thought speak thing before we move on is that um mm-hmm. that their computers communicate by thought speak, right? Like they're always like, oh, I gotta mm. talk to the computer and say computer on, and the computer's like, oh, I here's the information, um, rather than displaying it as text, you know, and just typing it in. Um, yeah, I don't know how efficient that is, but that does seem to be the, the standard. Yeah, there's um, I don't know. I guess it's. Kind of similar to how 
I feel like this does this come up in the book? Maybe do they make a comparison like this, or maybe I'm thinking of something else where some of these things to us seem inconvenient and strange, but you, the same thing someone would say about humans probably if they never met a human before. <laughs> like it could you know, be. I mean, kind of you know, I guess it's sort of like the when he learns about them wearing clothes and and things, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, there's a lot of culture things because there's going to be humans in this book, of course. It can't be all aliens. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll get some all alien books eventually. But well, yeah. I I think we're aliens to other species. So that's true. That's true. But that's just me. <laughs> um, so these Skritna. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I mean, do we want to talk about them right now? I don't know. We'll get. I mean, I feel, I feel like it's time for the next. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Go, we learn about it right now. Yeah, well, I mean, we the first they they go out there and they they get out in their flyer uh, fighter, right? And they're mm. flying out to uh, to fight to get the Skritna. Uh, Elfangor's piloting it. Arbron is manning the weapons. Um, there's kind of a funny moment where they because they gave him an older model of ship, and the older models have a faster acceleration for some reason. Elfangor accidentally shoots out past Briar's fighter, and he looks like an amateur, and he's really embarrassed. Um, but then when they're out there, things start getting complicated. There's a second Skritna ship, and the Skritna fire at Briar. So the Andalites start shooting, and uh, Arbron wants to take a shot too. So Elfangor flies him in, Arbron uh, shoots the engine. It's a great shot. People are impressed, uh, and they get complimented. Um, one of the Skritna ships manages to take off to Z-Space, and the other one, they've disabled the engines, and so they're going to board it. Yeah. So... So, yeah, so, I mean, this is, like, the first, before we get into, like, the true what are the Skritna, we see just a little bit of what it's like to pilot fighters, right? Yeah, which, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it was, you know, I mean, it feels like a, a bridge scene. <laughs> There's not really a... Okay, okay. I mean, I just don't want to, glo- like, shoot past, you know, the fact that they're mm. in an old piece of junk Model 14 and not a brand new Model 22, you know? I did like that. I did like <laughs> that, and it, it's, it feels like saying, it's just funny to be like, oh, it's this is like an old, an old 2012 Honda, not the new 2022 Honda <laughs> or something. Like, it's so... Yeah, I wonder if those are actually the years that they were produced. If They might be. <laughs> Just they just name the or it's like an iPhone. You just add a number to whatever the model number is. Yeah, I mean that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's why good. do they even have a model if they're on twenty two? Why does this state of the art warship have a freaking model that's eight models out of date? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty normal to just have a bunch of old shit too. I guess, I guess. I mean, especially if it's not eight models, maybe it's one model and it actually is just one was made in the year, you know, 51714 and the other one was 51722 or something. Hmm. I don't eight, know. Eight models that kind of sounds like an M&M movie. Yeah, interesting. Which which uh, also, interesting. also makes me think about how there's one part here where it says that Prince Briar wrapped his orders. Mm. So I was thinking... I was wondering if he's really was rapping them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like how, um, how Eminem is, uh, was, was uh, a white rapper. He's a blue rapper. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that the Andalites yeah. know about rap? No. 
Well, I mean, Axe, th- maybe, maybe Axe didn't hear any rap because he said all human music sucks. So maybe he just didn't hear any rap music, and that's he why. didn't hear. When, when did when did Slim Shady debut? <laughs> it's actually not that far away from this. I don't that's, remember the exact year, but <laughs> that's gonna blow his mind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that'll remind him of old Briar's mixtapes from <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I, he's going to be like, oh, these humans, they're good at rapping. <laughs> That's right. what I'm expecting to happen. Right. Okay, let's talk about the script now. Let's yes. stop talking about the rap. All right. Yep. <laughs> so the script now. Uh, the script now are one race. They have two forms, the script and the na. Uh, the script are basically like giant bugs. Um about the size of an andalite. Uh, they have 14 legs and six sets of antenna. Um, and they actually aren't intelligent in any way. Like they're probably as intelligent as a dog. You can make them do simple tasks, but they don't, whatever. Uh, at some random point, the script will make a cocoon. And about a year later, a na will pop out. Uh, na look like your classic gray aliens, um, except with longer arms. So they sometimes walk on all fours like a gorilla. Uh, the Skritna are weird, um, merchants and traders, uh, and they don't care about anything other than, like, collecting weird shit. <laughs> now, um, yeah, go on. I, I have even more. They, they have 50 sci-fi flashy lights on the edge of their ships because they think it, it looks good. Their ships look like classic flying saucers. <laughs> Um, they like to, they like to kidnap, uh, species and perform medical experiments on them or put them in zoos for, I don't know exactly, nobody really understands why. (laughs) I mean, they're basically, they're basically just, like, every alien trope that we have, except that also half the time they're bugs. So, are there pictures of these? Have they ever been illustrated in a book? I don't know. Uh, maybe in some uh, foreign release or something, because you always pull those weird alternate like Vietnam <laughs> covers. I'm wondering because I, I mean, what you're saying sounds right, but when I read it, I didn't really, uh, it didn't really click for me. I wasn't picturing a gray kind of alien. Mm. Um, it just, it's just they have four very slender legs. They rear up and walk on just two. Yeah, they have large Recall heads. this is Andalite perspective. Right. So they have four limbs, and half the oh, time right. they use them as arms, <laughs> and half the time they use them as legs. Right, right. Yeah, and they have two huge eyes, so I guess that's sort of like the gray-esque. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Just, they don't really give, in terms of physical description, they don't give you much, in my opinion, to... That's fair. Uh, yeah, you kind of got to fill in a lot of those blanks. Yeah. yeah, you could you could think of them as less gray like, but they I mean they're so obviously the grays, right? Since they kidnap you and do medical experiments and they go around in flying yeah. saucers and stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean I they're fucking weird and I do like them. <laughs> I like yeah. that they come out of another thing. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like the script are kind of the lesser of the two. Like they're not as mobile, they're kind of gross, they're not as respected maybe is kind of the sense i got was yeah i mean it there's gonna be i mean when they're on this ship there's like chaos ensuing 
and the squid are just kind of walking around like it's not there, like they're just not really aware of it. I don't, I like, I actually do think that they are like just less cognizant. It's a weird, almost like a symbiotic relationship, but I mean, there, it, he just he describes them as being two different races, but they are, yeah, one. So they are the same. Yeah, they go because the script will go into a cocoon and then turn into a gnaw. Does a gnaw then? Does the gnaw have sex and produce a script? <laughs> so here's the thing that's really weird. I don't. This wasn't here, but I have a memory, and I'm trying to remember where it's from. But I have a memory of the fact that script gnaw are bad for yerk infestation because sometimes gnaw will cocoon back into script. And they can't predict when it will happen. And if the Yerk's in it, when it happens, they just die. <laughs> now, uh-huh. I don't know if that's true because it wasn't described here. But I do still get the sense from this that, like, there's no... The life cycle's a little odd, right? Like, the when the script decide to cocoon themselves is not, like, you can't really predict it. At some point, they'll just go and cocoon. Yeah. It's weird. It's pretty weird. There's a lot yeah. of weird stuff with these script nah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe they have sex as script, and once they're nah, they're they're past sexual maturity. Yeah, that's what I was like. Then the nah does a nah just die and it's not it doesn't the the scrits just make scrits and the scrits make nah <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, who I have no idea. They're very <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, they're weird as hell. <laughs> But they're hey, great. Like, I, I like that she took all of the alien tropes and was like, yeah, those are all real, but also it's so much weirder than you think. That's all normal <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Script, nah, nah, honey, I'm good. Yeah. Or what about um, um, script, nah, 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 nah. You know, you can do a lot of nah, nah, yeah. nahs. Script, nah, nah, <laughs> script, nah, nah. At least I can tell which ones you're doing this time, as opposed to the other one. I, I, <laughs> what? I don't even know what you were trying to. Oh, that reminds me from a Bug's Life. Yeah, they should have played that in a Bug's Life. That would have been a great one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, they're uh, on board they, the Scritna ship. They board this Scritna ship. Let's 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 do this. Um and uh. <laughs> When they get on, like I said, uh, there's, like, boxes strewn about. There's script randomly cocooned on the walls. The Skritna do not keep their ships particularly tidy. Um, but they find the Na captain is being held at Dracon Point by a human girl uh, named Lauren. Uh, and there's another human, a boy, who is unconscious. Um, and she's, like, pointing the Dracon at them now. Uh, and Elfangor negotiates with her, and she decides to trust them and, uh, and give him the Dracon beam. Um, and Elfangor promises that the, he'll return her and the other boy to Earth, um, and Arbron copies all the files on the Skritna computer as is standard procedure. Um, so, kind of that was kind of quick, but the point here is that we meet a human. Elfangor meets and talks to a human named Lauren. L-O-R-E-N. Yes, Lauren, L-O-R-E-N. The, why is it... What is with the characters in this book? We have Eric, E-R-E-K. Like, I feel like there's always some weird name. I mean, I, Lauren maybe isn't that weird, but I feel like it's definitely a less common spelling. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. And um, uh, the boy's yeah. first name looks like a uh, typo to me, too. 
I'm are we going to say, say well, also, also, first of all, you're saying, how old are these people supposed to be? Boy it's and hard girl. to say. It I'm is hard to say. They are, they are clearly adults. children. Okay, they are? <laughs> but I don't know how young children, right? Like, they, for all I know, they might be like 16. This is so, I mean, maybe it's just because of the name we're getting. I was picturing like people in their 20s or something. I was not thinking these were kids. Does okay. it say they're kids? I don't remember if it says they're... Oh, no, there's implications that they're kids here, but I don't remember if it explicitly says it. But they are kids. This um, just, I mean, he just calls they're, they're them kinda, females. Yeah, I mean, Elfangor think, you know, doesn't know, yeah, right? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I think they're kids the way Elfangor's a kid, right? Like, he's still, like, you know, he's not really a full adult. Um, and, and the same way that Axis and Eris and the Animorphs are kids. It, it's a kid's book, so I think you are supposed to picture them as kids, but... I guess I'm, yeah, I guess I'm just, it's my adult bias that's making them yeah. adults. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, also, do we say the other guy's name? We know, we, we learned his name, right? Or is that not later? Well, later? well, yeah, we'll learn his name when he wakes up, but. Uh, oh, okay. Which we could uh, just talk about right now if we want to. Yeah, doesn't it happen pretty much right now? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for? why not? Um, he, all these things kind of run into each other, so whatever. Uh, um. So the boy is named Hedrick Chapman, right? Remember Chapman from the Animorphs series? (laughs) I I remember him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to say right now, Hedrick sounds like it should be Hendrick, right? (laughs) Does it not? It's a fucking, uh, yeah, I don't don't know what that name is supposed to be. (laughs) Everyone just calls him Chapman. Hedrick, which is such yeah. a, which is such a moment like, uh, like the Dark Knight Rises. Oh, by the way, you can just call me Robin. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's right. The fucking, <laughs> oh, he's his name. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's that moment. <laughs> and you know, it's it's kind of stupid because um, he's kind of a douche. Like we find out almost immediately, and it it's kind of dumb because the actual chap Chapman is like a cool guy, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a there's a lot there's a lot here. Maybe and maybe I there's a lot here. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot here. There's a lot here. <laughs> maybe we should have stepped back, but I feel like this like the, all the human stuff kind of is part of a package right now to me. Yeah. I mean the the Chapman thing is its own little chapter, and there's pretty much all that happens in it is that Chapman wakes up. So I was kind of putting it with the next section. It could be with this section. Whatever. <laughs> I guess it's is it is it Lauren that refers to a na as a twinkie <laughs> yeah yeah lauren refers to a na as a twinkie feels a bit homophobic <laughs> i honestly i honestly thought i'm like i don't it doesn't sound like they look like twinkies at all the food so uh, to me it actually seems more logical that she is using a homophobic or not even homo necessarily homophobic i mean in this context perhaps but <laughs> Yeah, you know. I, I mean, I I don't really. I mean, to be honest, it probably is just like, oh yeah, this Twinkie meaning like this this uh, this. Yeah, guy she who must sucks. mean. But like, yeah, right. That's a weird thing. It is. <laughs> it would it would make sense if it was like, yeah, they're they're beige and full of cream or something. But that's not that's not what it is. Um, uh, which is also that's my Tinder profile. Um, <laughs> right. I, for some reason, at first, also. 
I didn't, or maybe he doesn't know it's a female at first. I just saw long blonde hair and my, I was picturing it was like a hippie guy with Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that is the kind of guy who's getting kidnapped by Skritna. Yeah, but it's not. Now, I already have a, I have like two theories about this woman. I don't know if I even should say them yet. But I mean, I, you can say them. I will not confirm or deny anything you say if you have if they're theories. Okay, I have, I have two theories. Okay, uh, the first what well, was this one? I wrote this note, but I don't, I don't know that I agree with the note that I wrote. <laughs> okay, okay. But I wrote down: Is this Marco's mom? Question mark. Okay, so that's that was at one point a theory. <laughs> okay. My other I mean, I'll theory. just say right now, we know Marco's mom's name and it's not okay. Lauren. Okay, I wasn't, I couldn't remember. So that's good. That clears that up. Yeah, it's uh, it's Ava, I think. Okay, right. I mean, my and other she's theory. she's Hispanic and doesn't have blonde hair. <laughs> okay, great. You know, I'm just trying to go like, this is, if this is an important yeah. human, who okay. are the humans we know that like, okay. you know, have maybe some kind of connection to Yerks or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I'm working yeah. through the possibilities here. Right. The other one, I don't even want to say it because it's so out there, but I'm like, if it's, it could be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if it's not, then maybe I just sound like a fucking nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> I, now I need to hear it. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm wondering, I mean, look. In this scene, it's already apparent yeah. that Alfangor wants to fuck this human. Yes. In my opinion, yeah. it's apparent. Yeah, no, it, it it's pretty... He keeps talking about her luxurious blonde hair and shit. Yeah, and, and they do amp that up. The two of them are, are getting goo-goo-eyed about each other. And maybe that's book. part of why I was picturing them as adults, because I was just thinking this mm. is like... A, a but, woman. Yeah, and remember that Elfangor's also a kid, though. So, yeah, like, I if she was I, an adult, it would be problematic in a different way. Yeah, I guess I was not really, you know, thinking about Andalite development right. phases and stuff. I wasn't sure. Right. Imagine he's like Axe, right? Axe is just right. a kid. Okay, yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess my theory is that maybe he fucks this woman <laughs> and... <laughs> Maybe their their kid is like Tobias or something. <laughs> that's my theory. <laughs> so that's I've said. Now I've said it. You know, yeah, I don't, it's we don't a need good to, theory. We don't need to respond. I or something like like or maybe they don't fuck, and maybe this just is Tobias's mom. But I I just. I feel like this person has got is connected somehow, and as we all know, Tobias has famously blonde hair. <laughs> so, right, that's true, and that is the defining character trait of Lauren. Right, <laughs> bluish blonde hair. Even remember how it's all dirty blonde. <laughs> it's all, right. I, this doesn't really make any sense, but th- this is what's in my head right now. Okay. And I don't fucking okay. know. Like the way this series is, this could be insane or right on the money. I am not. I don't know. So now I've put that out there. I put we'll that we'll out put there. a. We'll put that. Uh, that'll be our other pin up post-it on note. A post-it note on the board. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. We'll just yeah. 
Now let's try to move on from that. <laughs> okay, let's move on from that. Let's let's talk about some of uh, some of the good descriptions in this chapter. Uh, I like Elfangor's first description of a human when he doesn't know what clothes are. Uh, <laughs> he describes us as having, or he describes Lauren as having brightly colored skin that seems to hang loosely in some areas. Its upper body is covered in loose, almost billowy white skin with tiny pastel patterns. Its two legs are covered in a rough textured blue skin that stops suddenly at its hooves. The hooves were white and adorned with what looked like thick threads or cables laced together. (laughs) Yeah. I really like that description of clothing. It's It's quite good. Yeah, it's 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 fun. Yeah. Oh, uh, and actually, before we move on from the Skritna, uh, the Skritna, when they stumble upon him being held at Dracon Point, he says, uh, be careful, Andalite friend. They are savage, violent beings, crazy, wild. Oh, yes, this female is a vicious beast. Better to kill her, or even better, let us cage her again. Yes, yes, that would be best. As soon as you mistakenly fired on us, she sprang up and grabbed my weapon. Wild and dangerous, oh, yes. <laughs> Let's just give you a taste of how they talk. Very Ferengi, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. these are these are no good mix. They're yeah. I That's, I think that they're although fine. also everything they've said just now is true. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, can't that, argue with any of that. Yeah, he's right. It would be better to let them cage her again. Hundred percent. That would be best. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. I yes. I also you know they t- they of course talk about how they're walking on two legs and how um at one point Arbron. This talks about how it's really funny to imagine humans falling over <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, Arbron loves to think about how stupid humans are. I like um, he's and, right. Yeah, and this is basically the whole next section, right? Is that they they bring the humans back to the dome ship. Um, you know, Chapman wakes up, whatever, uh, and uh, they're showing him around on the dome ship. So they get a lot of scenes where they're like confused by each other's biology because like uh, Andalites eat grass. There's like a bit where Lauren takes off her shoes and they think she's ripping off her hooves and they're like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> they are like surprised that a human can lift themselves up by just their arms. It's good. Yeah, it's all, it is, it's funny. She's horrified that she's ripping her hoof off. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, also feels like there's definitely some, uh, I don't know, Some someone wrote some erotic fan fiction that's like, I don't know. She starts explaining, like, no, no, this isn't our skin. Let me teach you, Elfangor, about the ways of the human body. Oh, 100% that exists. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Probably some weirdo who's, like, specifically focusing in on the fact that she's taken off her shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right? Yeah. I'm a bit yeah. too normal, so that didn't occur to me, but I can see it now. Makes sense, yeah. Um, um, I mean, we get a lot of scenes where they're like, sm- like, there's a scene where Lauren twirls and Elfangor's like, wow, her hair looks so pretty when she's twirling. A two-legged creature can twirl better than a four-legged one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. he's going, mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's doing a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That from, from book 12. <laughs> right. From book 12. Uh, yeah. He's he's really into it. I do. I, we we kind of glossed over the fact this goes back to what we were saying before, but 
it's just standard procedure to hijack and download your enemy's computer files. Like, yeah, again, yeah. just so invasive. Yeah. They're just pulling them over, checking their IDs, searching their car. That's like if a cop pulled you over and just downloaded yeah. your phone data. Yeah, no, it, it legitimately is. If a cop pulled you over and they're like, we're going to pull everything out of your trunk and backseat and look it over and then put it back. And also we're downloading all your phone data. We're going to read all your email. Like, Andalites are yeah. actually worse than cops. Yeah, they suck. They're so bad. <laughs> God. They're everything cops wish they could be. <laughs> That's right. Okay, now can we talk about can we talk about Hedrick Chapman now? Yeah, let's talk about Hedrick Chapman. Um yeah, so I I don't know, I wasn't 100% sure, but I guess we can you can confirm or deny if you feel that it's just in, you know, information that should be known at this point. This is young Chapman, or I, I wasn't sure if maybe it's like Chapman's dad or something. So as I mean, it's he's not old enough to be Chapman's dad, right? Because it's like the seventies, and he's like again, this is what I'm know, having trouble kid. figuring out. Like, how old is Chapman in '96? How how old is this guy? I, well, I'm this, having trouble. I mean, you this. can you can just think whoever about 21 years have passed since this until the start until the Animorph series. Yeah, so. Like, if if this guy is Chapman's dad and he hasn't given had Chapman yet, then Chapman would have to be younger than 21. Which, it doesn't work. Hmm, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't yeah. make sense. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely um, Chapman. Yeah, you know, in my... As a kid, I, I had this, like, headcanon where I was like, this guy's actually just a, a different Chapman. That's why he sucks so much and the real Chapman is cool. Because uh, he's just a different one. And, the, and she she just decided to use the same name because she thought it was a good name for a villain. Um, <laughs> now, Seropedia just lists him as the same guy. Seropedia just says the real Chapman Wait, is so named Hedrick Chapman. I just assumed that in parts two and three it would become clear. <laughs> in... I believe there's a strong hint at the end that it is him, but I, I don't know it's... if it's ever explicitly confirmed. Maybe it is, and as a kid, I just didn't see it as explicit because I was dumb. I guess I've been assuming like, oh, he's going to get a yerk in him, but now I remember that, no, he doesn't get a yerk until much later. So, yeah, why is he such a dick? <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, it feels like that's just like, she forgot that Chapman has a yerk. Then, then she just was like, yeah. oh yeah, he's the bad guy. So he's a dick all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like it really does. I have a villain. I want to put his villain origin story. And since he was a villain, he'll be bad, but like, he's not, he's really like, being like, point. he's like Mr. Smith and lost in space or like, uh, he's like the, the guy from matrix reloaded, when he's <laughs> Agent yeah. Smith in, a, in another body. Yeah. <laughs> Just like being a dick all the time. <laughs> like yeah. he's, I mean, he's got these exactly... vibes of like, yeah, I'm hanging out in the ship, but I'm going to fuck with you. Just, just wait. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it's dumb. It's not great. It's <laughs> yeah. It's confusing. And, and then the, the fact that his name is Hedrick, it doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. I mean, this is kind of, it It does feel a lot like Kay Applegate just completely forgot about book two. It was like, eh, there's no more. Who's Melissa? I don't remember <laughs> that is. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, eh, that was too messy. I don't know. Just, he's just a bad guy, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's, that's a little, I mean, and you could be like, I don't know. He's a, this is 20 years ago. Maybe he just was a dick, but. Yeah. Maybe. It is, 
I, I wish, because like maybe he learned a valuable lesson about not being a dick in this book series. But I got to tell you, if that's an arc he undergoes, you don't really see the conclusion of it in this book uh, by the end. So I don't mm. really know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they talk about e- how they eat and how humans spear chunks of hot dead animals and stuff them in the mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Uh, meanwhile, Elfangor is saying, uh, you know, we have 17 species of grass in 30 different flavors. <laughs> yeah. yeah and oh, like there's also red grass yeah yeah there's, there's also the bit where um where uh they say they eat with their mouths and our brian goes wait so humans are just walking around all the time pressing their mouths to the ground to eat now you gotta admit that's funny <laughs> Arbron's a little bit of the andalite marco he is the only he must they probably think he's mentally ill <laughs> I miss Marco so much. I know, right? We're not going to have a Marco section at the end of this. Oh, God. Um, They do. uh, He does say that the entire human race is crippled. Yes, he does say that. So. Yeah. So I'd say that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I guess before we move on, I do want to say another. We got to make sure we hit all of our alien words. Um. Elfangor yeah. is describing a pink tree to Lauren, and he says, it's called a therant tree. It's mm-hmm. in its creest phase. <laughs> uh, do you see the way the grasses become more galassic and less escalic as they grow near? <laughs> uh, that is because, at which point he gets cut off. <laughs> I want to see how galassic, I, I was thinking jellassic. Yeah. It could be jellassic, I don't know. Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, go on. (laughs) Okay. Are are we are we good to move on to the next part? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's let's because we're getting close to the our hour and a half mark. We're getting close to 90 minutes, and we should be good because we're about halfway done. So we should make it. Yeah. We should make it. Uh and and we did say 90 minutes or more. Right. Yeah. Uh so uh, Arbron and Elfangar, Elfangor, uh, get assigned oh, what to What a escort- blunder you just made. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> they get assigned to escort the humans back to Earth, um, and they'll be under the command of disgraced war prince Aloran Semitor Koras. Um, <gasps> nobody really knows why he's disgraced. Uh, it's all some shameful secret, right? And you might remember that name. I heard a little gasp over there. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so no one's really happy about this. Everyone They want to be on the Star Sword, n- not doing transport errands. But um, they're going to be traveling on Aloran's personal ship, the Jahar, named after his wife. Jahar! That's right. And they, <laughs> they also reveal they will be wiping Lauren and Chapman's memories before dropping them off on Earth. Um. So, you know, they make their several-day journey toward Earth, um, and uh, Aloran and Chapman are kind of brooding the whole time. Arbron is deeply wrapped up in some mystery in the Scritna data logs he's going through, um, and Elfangor and Lauren uh, flirt with each other. Um, <laughs> we find out during this time that Lauren's dad was in Vietnam, and he has severe PTSD. And Chapman makes fun of him, uh, but Aloran steps in and, you know, he's all like, shut up, you've never been to war. Uh, you know, even those who return from war may never really come home. And Elfangor is confused because he's never heard of PTSD or anything like that ever happening to Andalites before. Yeah, they don't say PTSD, do they? 
They like don't. The they don't. Okay. Uh, what happens is uh, Chapman says, oh, dad, daddy went a little nutso, right? He's got whacked out or whatever. And they mentioned he says Nam too. <laughs> yeah, they, they they say it was a, in Vietnam, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Viet goddamn Nam's what happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, I mean, you know, this. it's clear at this point that that is a major theme of these books. Yeah. It was maybe being hit home harder here than it ever has been before, more explicitly. Yeah. They're really going for it with, Aloran has a lot of speeches. <laughs> yeah, so, so, okay, so Aloran mm-hmm. is Visser 3's Andalite. Yes. Host body. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, the only other time we've seen him, you know, it was like, oh man, fucking, I feel for, I feel for Aloran. He's, yeah. he's forced, he's, this, his life sucks. He's the Fisser guy. Yeah. He wants to kill himself because he's so fucking upset. And now we get to see him in, in as his own person. And it turns out he's just kind of a dick. <laughs> oh yeah. No, Aloran is very like, uh, he, he, I don't know. He, he's, he's an old warrior. Everyone hates him. We don't know what he did, but he must have done something bad. And he's got all these speeches where, you know, he'll say like, oh, the electorate wants war without slaughter. They want a clean, neat, honorable war. The fools. Um, (laughs) Or like, oh, yeah, everyone wants a gentler, more balanced, more intellectual sort of warrior nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's he's an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. So, but like, it, it is also clear that like, there's he's seen some shit, right? Like, like that's coming from somewhere. Do we know an Andalite's lifespan? No, I just always assume it's basically humans. But well, because I guess twenty years isn't that long a time. But you know, he's still like going strong twenty years later. That's true. That is true. He is still going strong. Well, maybe I guess they just have better healthcare. He also, if you morph a lot, you don't age, right? That's true. Maybe when you morph, maybe you like, you know, lose your wrinkles and stuff too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I guess Aloran was already a war prince. Uh, He's got to be at least the- like 10 years older than Elfango. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they said the war's been going on for only like five years or something at the beginning. And at some point in that time span, the hork world had, or we didn't find out about that yet. I'm sorry. Never mind. Scratch okay. that. Okay. We'll find out about it later. We'll fi- well, you know, we'll just find out. At some point later on, it's going to get <laughs> revealed that he was on in this book, so it's not a spoiler. But we'll find out that he was on the Hork Bajir homeworld. Okay. Right. So you know, oh, yeah, um, in this part, don't they say that? Yeah, in this part, we find out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a spoiler for next week or anything like that. Um, but yeah, he was on the Hork Bajir homeworld during the defeat, and um. That had to be in the last five years. And he had to already be a war prince, not just a prince, but a war prince. Right? Yeah. So, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what wars they were fighting before the Yerks. But they seem yeah, to have a peace. pretty they just... m- militaristic society, right? <laughs> I don't know. They sure do. <laughs> it seems like they always are ready for war. I don't know. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I like the way Alf, Elfangor looks at, I almost called him Alf. <laughs> Good old Alf. We'll just call him Alf from now on. Yeah, maybe I will. Alf Anger. Yeah. <laughs> Elf Anger. I like the way he, he's he's into this Jahar. He kind of maybe yeah. 
is sexually attracted to this ship. <laughs> it's a beautiful ship. He's really he 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 loves it. He fucking loves it. And we talk a little bit about some of the maximum burn and yeah. time and relativity and how space travel works. Most of that was above my head. I don't. Really yeah, know. there's like a little bit about how like it's got to be a couple days journey to Earth. They can they can Z space close to Earth, but they can't Z space right up to it for some reason. Uh, and then they have to travel at normal speeds to get the rest of the way to Earth, because if they travel at relativistic speeds, they'll age weirdly. So that's going to take them a couple days, which is why they have all this time to sit around and talk. Yeah, they get to, you get to learn about... This is my favorite sentence in the whole book, is when uh, <laughs> when Lauren bites her lip, and Elfangor explains, a lip is a mouth part. Man, that would have made Fifty Shades of Grey a much better book if we'd gotten that little explanation in there from Christian Grey when Anastasia I, bites her lip. Yeah, I didn't know. I was reading that whole book. What the fuck is she biting a what? Oh, it's a mouth part. Yeah, now I understand. Fifty Shades of Blue is the, the Andalite version. That's right. Christian, it's, yeah. like, it's like... Christianius Gray for Patang. <laughs> yeah, the first one's a little too Latin. They, they need to be weirder yeah, than that. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. You really can't have Christ involved yeah. at all. Christanor or something. I don't know. Uh, but th- I, th- this is kind of a fun, a nice little part where you don't I'll often in Animorphs books get these moments to breathe. <laughs> yeah, and this is a a, a a few scenes of them just living in space and getting to know each other. So uh, that that's a nice, nice way to break up the, the pace of this book. Yeah, it is nice. And one of the of advantages course, of I, having I, a longer book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I just always come because as much as that's true, I always just come back to the thematic, like, Oh yeah. The, the Andalites and their wars and stuff. That's more what I'm focused on here. Uh, even though it's um, you're right. Like it's nice to get a break from all of that. But I do like, yeah. I do like that, like, uh, Elfangor is just clearly completely unaware of any of, like, the dark side of combat, right? Like, he's just, it's clearly a thing. It's not that Andalites don't have PTSD, um, because, because Aloran knows all about it. It's just that nobody ever talks about that. That's just not a thing. He's the, he's the soldiers in the beginning of Saving Private Ryan or whatever, <laughs> You know, yeah. he's not, he hasn't, yeah. he's gung-ho, he's excited. Or, and I think um, that's all of Andalite society, right? Like, the, yeah. the electorate is voting, it's it's what Aloran's bitching about when he says, like, oh, they, they want a clean, neat, honorable, you know, it's like, the Andalites all want war, and they want to be warriors, but none of them actually want to deal with the reality of it. Speaking of which. Uh-huh. Is there a bathroom on this ship? And how do Andalites go to the bathroom? <laughs> they probably just go in the um, in the lake, right? I don't know. Like, I mean, the Jahar. Do they have plumbing? <laughs> the Jahar has a little uh, decorational waterfall that I really like. That like flows oh, yeah. both up and down by trick of gravity manipulation. Yeah, and you know, cool. I thought of that as decorative, but it could be a bathroom. 
<laughs> well, they just never mention, well, A, where these humans are going to the bathroom, B, what they're eating, C, where if they're how they sleep just on the floor. Like, they don't have beds. They don't have – they eat grass, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know what the humans are eating, and they clearly must just sleep on the grass. I will I will give you a little bit of a spoiler for the series, though. Not for the book, but for the series. Uh, there are Andalite toilets. They do have toilets. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna find out about those. Yeah, we'll find we'll find out about those. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, but you know that was my only question of this part. I'll, and well, I guess my other question was just again, why is Chapman such a piece of shit? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. He <laughs> just continues um, being a piece of shit. Uh, but yeah. Um, so we can get to this is now we can get into the actual plot, right? <laughs> because. <laughs> Right, that's always hey, good. For, if you consider this as one book for three parts, we're getting to the plot pretty early. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I always like when we're like an hour in and I say it's time to get to the plot. <laughs> I think we but, could uh, do this all as one episode. <laughs> I just, think we could too. Yeah. Well, it'll be fine. Just have a six hour long podcast. <laughs> right. What could go wrong? Um, Arbron, as, as I said before, he's been going through these Skritnaw files. Uh, and he found something there, uh, some strange, impossible power readings, um, but they seem to be real, not some sort of strange glitch. Um, and uh, they get a visual image of this thing, which is this perfectly smooth white sphere. Um, there's only one thing that this could be with, with these crazy, impossible, like physically impossible power readings, uh, which is a mythical ancient device called the Time Matrix. Um and so, and so, you know, Aloran and, and Elfengra are like, what? But that, that, that can't be possible. That w- I always thought that was a myth. Um, but it looks like it's real and the Skritnaw found it. And it would allow its users to travel through time. Um, so they figure it must be on the second Skritnaw ship, the one that escaped. Um, and so they have to track down that, that uh, ship and get the time matrix before it falls into the wrong hands. Because, like, what if the Skritnaw sell it to the Yerks not knowing what it is? Uh, that would be game over. So, uh, they, they see that in the ship's logs, they see that that second Skritnaw ship has headed toward the Taxon homeworld. So, off they go, toward the Taxon homeworld. They're not going to be able to drop off the humans on Earth. They don't have time for that bullshit. <laughs> right. It's not important. Right. Yeah. Not relative to the time matrix. Now, the time matrix, so essentially it's a time machine. Yes. And Essentially, it, we it allows you to go anywhere in time. We don't really know the like, you know, the how you set coordinates on it or anything, but that's what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, it sure does. It lets you just go around. The most dangerous weapon of all time, or as J.K. Rowling would refer to it, a thing that helps you do your homework. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Also, sounds like you know, it's it's a it's a MacGuffin. It's a it's a it's a MacGuffin. It feels. Like it would make a good, you know, thing you're trying to get in a video game or a board game or something. It's the mm-hmm. it's the thing you're fighting over. It's it's the golden snitch <laughs> to use <Right>. another. <laughs> yeah, to go back to that woman. It's the thing. Like I'm sorry, I, I I'm such a fucking Potterhead. Okay, I can't. Apparently, help it. you are. <laughs> I'm always. It's always on the brain for me. Now, uh, you know, it's a little a little bit. 
I don't know, maybe a little bit underwhelming after being like, man, what's the time matrix? It's yeah. oh, it's that's what you would the only thing you would probably guess from the name. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more wacky than just a time machine, we'll find out, but it, it's basically mm. what people are concerned about, is that it's a time machine. Yeah, but but still, it makes sense, and, you know, I'm never going to complain about, well, that's not true, I definitely will, but <laughs> I, I like I like time travel. It might not make sense, but you know what, I'm just throw, throw as much sci-fi shit as you can at me, and I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah, and I do We've already like had how- time travel. Yeah, I like how she handles time travel in these books, Kay Applegate, because, um, mm. you know, it, it you do run into that classic problem of the, like, oh, so they just used it for homework then, right? Like, why don't they use it for <laughs> everything now that you've introduced it? And, you yes. know, first we had the Sario Rip, which was just like, well, we don't know how the hell to control that, and I don't know what how this works. And now we have this time matrix where you're like, okay, this isn't supposed to be exi- supposed to exist, nor is it supposed to be physically possible, um, you know, it's been hidden away for 50,000 years, uh, and, and every, you know, everybody thinks it's a fairy tale. So it's, it's not like really a thing you can just use. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a very, it's almost like a legend. It sounds like yeah. they, they yeah. maybe didn't even know if it really exists. Yeah. That but does seem to be. But I guess it's, they're pretty, they're confident enough to <laughs> make a journey to go get it. Yeah, I mean, they. I guess they look at those power readings and they say, these are definitely accurate and they are not physically possible, so it must be a time matrix, because nothing else would give <laughs> off readings like that. Yeah. And the important thing is that they were justified in hijacking and illegally downloading the data. <laughs> yeah. Well, they already were, because they kidnapped some humans, you know. Right. They did the right thing. Uh, can you answer me why they don't, inform anyone else about this like, i don't why, know why doesn't he radio back to captain fayorn <laughs> yeah fayorn and go hey there's a time matrix i mean i actually have a suspicion that it's because he's a disgraced war prince and nobody would let him go after it. And he's all like, this is my chance to do something. I'm excited. Because, like, they do say, like, mm. he's just all like, whatever, the whole time. But then then when he sees this, he's, like, excited. He's like, yeah, we got to go save the galaxy. So I think <laughs> I think Aloran might legitimately just be breaking protocol by not telling anybody. <laughs> that makes sense. I wish that Elfangor was like, hey, let's call for backup. And Yeah, that would be nice. It's strange that nobody <laughs> suggests that. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that's fine. Also, at this point is when I started to think Aloran and Arbron a little too similar. <laughs> I think we mm. could have. I feel like a name could have been uh, adjusted there. Like if you're with all these alien names and things, it could get a little confusing between the two of those characters. But that's you know that's just my. Well, you just got to know them. It's it's fine. I mean, I guess it's a thing. Like in real life, you know, you might know two people named Jess and Jessica or something. Right. (laughs) Like it can happen. So this is just you being racist against Andalites. You can't tell (laughs) keep their names straight in your head. Yeah, this is me being racist against. K.A. Applegate's writing that just it's just usually good practice to be like hey just you know don't name your characters that close together but 
But so, but at the same time, like I said, sometimes I kind of like that because it could almost be more realistic in a way. Yeah, I mean, I don't even notice that these names are just ingrained into my head. <laughs> yeah, they are just both. Like, if you haven't read these books and you're just listening to this podcast, I wouldn't blame anyone who didn't really know which one was which. Aloran, Arbron, who are they talking about right now? They're both Andalites. <laughs> like, Aloran's the disgraced war prince who's going to become infested in Beavis yeah. or Three. Like, I know you know. <laughs> like, but like, this is the point: is that it's just like if you've re- if you read this series too many times as a kid, that's it wouldn't even occur to you. <laughs> I'm just saying in general, I feel like it's good practice to not give your characters two similar names if you can help it. That's all. I suppose. <laughs> so here's a question for you. They're hunting down this time matrix because they don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. Do you think that the Andalites are the right hands? <laughs> <laughs> Like, you really think these guys should have it? Yeah, I mean, definitely not. No no one should have it. Maybe yeah. the Elemist. He can do that shit already. He doesn't even need a time matrix. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I can't think of... I guess it's better than the Yurks. But... Well, they could yeah. go back... They could go back and undo the... Whole year can be, I don't know. There's all we can't get into the fucking ethics and logistics of time yeah. travel right now because it's just. <laughs> I mean, I know Aloran would. Aloran would a hundred percent go back and genocide the Yerks, or even just sure. not. Don't give them space travel. Undo Ciro's yeah. folly or Ciro's. Yeah, I mean, maybe he would do that. Whatever they call it. I don't not, know. He's a little angry. Yeah, he might go a little further than just undoing Ciro's kindness. Kindness, that's what it was. <laughs> Zero stupid fucking decision. Uh, all right, but anyway, you know, now we have our plot. <laughs> yeah, now we have our plot. Now uh, we get to the action, baby. Yeah, now we can get to the action. Um, so, <laughs> they're going to the Taxon homeworld, um, and Aloran, Aloran is planning for them to morph Taxons, so they're pretty terrified about that. Um. They pop into real space at the edge of Taxon space, right? They've they've done their big Z space jump. They're at the Taxon homeworld. They pop into real space, uh, and they're going to commandeer a transport vessel to get close enough to land on the planet, since the Jahar would get spotted immediately. Um, Arbron turns out is yeah, he's just a great shot, so he shoots at one of their engines um, and disables the transport ship. They dock and board. Uh, the ship, uh, they immediately see a bunch of taxons. They get into a firefight. Uh, the taxons retreat. Uh, Hork-Bajir come out and they fight. They, they stop using their shredders because they don't want to blow holes in the ship. Um, and Elfangor goes into a sort of like berserker trance and he kills all his Hork-Bajir. And he also fights Aloran's and Arbron's Hork-Bajir. Um, he sort of like wipes out and, and beats them all. Um, and when he comes to, you know, they, they've won... And uh, Arbron is like, like holy shit, looking at him. And Aloran's like, oh yeah, I know your type, looking at him. Um, and Elfangor's all traumatized by it. And there's like, you know, another kind of horny scene where he runs back and Lauren like holds him in in her arms to console him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. this is our first combat, our first taste of combat for the Erists. So it turns out that um, you know Elfangor was right. If given the chance, he's just an amazing warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but he just wasn't prepared for the consequences. Yeah, it's like Eric and and murdering all those people. Uh, oh, right, right. Yes, right. Exactly. Yes, correct. It is like a lot like that. Yeah. Um, and I, when did? Yeah, I don't know that I had much else to say about this scene. To be honest, it was just kind <laughs> of. Uh, yeah, they. It was an action scene. They do some cool fighting. There's gross taxons. They do. Yeah. We do learn more about the handheld shredder. Oh and yes, yeah, how yeah, yeah. It is literally just a phaser from Star Trek, <laughs> right? It has power levels, and like level one is just a stun. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just straight yeah. up, hundred percent phaser. It just is level six. Uh, bless a hole through ten feet of solid alloy. It says. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we get some good taxon moments where they're like stopping to eat chunks of their dead allies as they leave. Uh, all that gross um, stuff. Yeah, all that gross stuff. Yeah, it's basically just we get a good action scene as they board. But we do, importantly, we find out that Elfangor is actually great in a tail fight when his life is on the line. But also that it's traumatizing to be in a fight. We've kind of learned this before in Animorphs, but Elfangor hasn't learned it. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody's got to learn. And if this is your first book that maybe you picked up, you, you have to learn it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I may well have read this before I read the Chi book, so I don't I don't remember the order. Yeah, it would be this would be a fine introduction book, I think. Yeah. It would be fucking wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's well, yeah. I guess I guess it yeah, I don't know. It would be good. Yeah. I think <laughs> it would be good, yeah. But uh yeah, so I mean they have their they have their action sequence. Um and they leave the Jahar to just kind of float their engines off, and they take control of the Texan ship to fly it to the surface. Um, Elfangor tells the ship's computer not to listen to Chapman, and he gives Lauren a shredder just in case he tries some shit. Um, so on their way to the planet, they go into the cargo hold where they sealed up all the wounded from their battle so they can acquire some taxons. Uh, there's two taxons in there, and their Yurks have already left them, and they have already eaten all of the other wounded and they're trying to kill each other, so Aloran stuns him, or stuns them. Um, so they also, they look around in the cargo, and they see there are thousands of Yerks in pools here being transported to the Taxon homeworld. Um, Aloran gives the command to seal the bridge and open the hatch, which would dump them out into space and kill them all. Um, Elfangor won't do it because they're defenseless, and he's like, we don't execute prisoners. Um, I think he's also feeling a little bit guilty about what he just did. Um, and it seems like there might even be like a fight between Aloran and Elfangor, but Arbron suggests, oh, you know, if we dumped all the Yerks this close to the planet, the sensors might pick it up, uh, and our cover would be blown. And Aloran's like, oh, well, you know, we wouldn't want that, would we? But he's pissed <laughs> off. Um, so we had that scene and then Elfangor morphs a taxon to prepare in preparation for the homeworld and it's very gross and it's horrifying and the hunger is like so all-consuming that he wants to eat his fellow Andalites. Uh, he probably would have if he didn't see their tail blades. He definitely would have eaten Lauren and Chapman if they had still been there. Yeah. So. So, uh, you know, I definitely. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So this is, we're talking about, yeah. So first of all, I, I was a little suspicious a of Lauren in, in this segment. I don't know. I don't, by the end of this part, I don't think that's, 
I justified, I don't think, but I thought maybe this is a, a trick and she's like, oh, please help me from mean Mr. Chapman. I need a little gun. Mm. And then she was going to like, you know, hey, Chapman, hey, we're going to fuck him up. Mm. Nah, she likes Elfangor too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's also, not going to sleep with her. <laughs> she also kisses him. She does. And he's confused by this. He doesn't really know what this is. Yeah. Don't Andalites, they must like rub noses or some shit. They must have they, some kind of a kiss. They do. I believe it is they like run their palms over the other person's cheeks or face or something. It's like a face touch. Gross. Yeah. But they do. There is an Andalite version of a kiss. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. And we also, they also mentioned specifically that the two taxons had, that had, they no longer have their yurks in them, right? Are we? Yeah. Yeah. And they're gone. Yeah. I don't know why the yurks left, but this is taxon. They, these are natural taxons. Okay. Well, interesting. I, I was thinking that that's foreshadowing. I thought. Oh, those two Yurks are gonna sneak off, and that's one of those Yurks. I guess we later it doesn't make sense now that I remember what happens in the rest of this part, but at the time I was thinking, oh, one of those Yurks is Visser 3 and he's gonna like get them on their way back or something. <clears throat> but I guess they yeah, just yeah. peace out and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure where they went. So um Elfangor in this scene, now we're talking about these defenseless Yurks in this Yurk pool. Yeah. He's being a bit of a Cassie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there is something to be said about the fact that you are talking about dumping. I mean, they are defenseless Yerks. They are prisoners of war. You are talking about a mass execution here. Yeah. I guess in my personal perspective, Yerks are nasty little slugs and I they're ugly and I don't care about <laughs> war crimes and I, I kill them all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that is listen, it, that's how I feel. I, I, it's it's understandable Aloran's perspective where he's like, look, would you rather they all get hosts and then you kill them then? Um, you know, war is about killing. It's about killing your enemy any way possible. But like war crimes exist for a reason. So you can right? do them. <laughs> yeah. So they have I mean, a you purpose. You can do them I even agree. if they you didn't call them crimes. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But then they don't seem as fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is, you know, I don't know if we are supposed to, I'm not really sure what the perspective is meant to be for the reader, because we've also spent a f several books up to this point with the sole purpose of finding and destroying Yurk pools with theoretically, quote unquote, helpless, defenseless Yurks. <laughs> so... I don't, is this supposed to be different? Are we, are we supposed to question that from before or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what K. Applegate's intention is with that. Yeah. I mean, it's tough on um, the line between like, oh, let's try to destroy the Candrona. Let's destroy infrastructure that could, that could hurt um, civilian populations and let's actively. And I mean, I don't know if there are civilian Yorks, but that's its right. own back. You know, yeah, that's I, its own I, problem because that, that's often that's so often used as a justification for real war crimes to be like there is no civilian population. The civilian population is working the industry, which provides the machines of war or something like that. So it's OK to terror bomb them. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that um, 
Uh, like on Earth, those are there's no way those are civilians. Those are all those are all they're, they're only there to fuck Earth up. I guess. Yeah, on Earth that's I guess that's true. In this on this transport ship, there's a chance they could be quote unquote innocent Yerks. Yeah, I mean they're just going to the Taxon homeworld here. They're right, not we, going anywhere in particular to fight yet. We don't know what their business is. I mean, I think on Earth, yeah, like if a Yerk is in a pool, it's literally just because they came out of the head of a human, right? <laughs> like there's no <laughs> Yeah, or there's there's probably a surplus Yerk population they're finding hosts for, but I don't know the details. So, so this maybe is a little murkier than that, is what I'm but saying. But at best, these are prisoners of war. Yeah, but anyway, I think that they should um, fucking kill them. And now... Well, Aloran would like you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I did say he was kind of a dick, so I don't know, maybe I shouldn't side with him, but... <laughs> no, I mean, I get it, I get it, it's... I get it. It is, I am sort of, yeah, I get it. Alfangor is very noble. Yeah. And and it would be helpful to see more of Yerkes's people. I, I I will give you that. The more if we could see more Yerkes's people, it would be easier to look at this at this and say, "Wow, this is a real problem. What you're doing here," which is maybe even a more maybe that's more interesting and challenging even to to have to consider. What so? What if they are all just evil? Does that give you the right to murder them? Maybe it doesn't. You know, I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, and, and on that, on that subject, I, you know, this book, this part, at least really, I'm starting to really understand why you're so, you know, why you like Taxon so much. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Uh, they're very sympathetic. I definitely vibe (laughs) with these guys. They're, they're chill. Uh They're, they're cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I I wish them all the best in all their yeah. endeavors. They're we're just... talking about it next part. Oh, next part, not the yeah. not this part where when you become one, all you can think about is that wanting to eat and consume your friends and neighbors. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they are overwhelmed with this impulse, right? Like uh-huh. the the Andalites portray them as having signed up so they could get fresh meats to feed the hunger, but like, don't you think there's a possibility that they're signing up? so that they don't have to deal with the hunger, the Yerk can deal with it, because it's not pleasant being a taxon? I don't know. I mean, I well, hadn't considered that, <laughs> but maybe. We did. We do find out there are apparently rebel taxons who do not go with the Yerks. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out about that uh, soon here. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I'm, well, I, I did, so he morphs the, the taxon here, as you said. I did just want to... Because I did yeah. have a question from a while ago about why Axe was so astonished by taste. And he does, Elfangor does say that one of the things they morph is a Jabala. Yeah. Which has a mouth. It does. It eats leaves. So, you know, they. And leaves just don't taste very good. I, I guess, but it's, you know, again, Axe acts like he's never even heard of tasting. <laughs> like, I mean,. Yeah, no, he does. Maybe they don't have a tongue. Maybe they just suck things up and don't actually taste yeah. them. <laughs> I don't know. Or like, uh, you know, it's it's like how all those like wild foods just they don't taste very good next to our like cinnamon buns, right? We're just like <laughs> nuking our taste buds, and so if you just morph an animal and eat regular food, it it tastes like nothing compared to what we put in our gobs. <laughs> yeah. Now there is still kind of some major stuff left, but 
I we are starting we are starting to get towards the end here. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um we are getting toward the end of this first book. So uh, they land on the Taxon world uh, in the middle of like a hustling, bustling spaceport about a mile from the Skritna ship, which they spot from the air. Um, and it's super busy. There's a lot of time spent describing this spaceport, which I think is a pretty cool little spaceport. Um, kind of reminds me of the one in Firefly, actually, mm. in the first episode. Mm, but uh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. kind of at, it's at odds with the narrative back on the Andalite homeworld that the Yerks are like beaten and on the defensive because like clearly they've got a lot. The, you know, they're, they're, they're busy. Um, as they're walking through, a taxon slips out of a maglev train and it bursts open as it hits the ground. And all the taxons in the area immediately rush in to eat it. Um, now, Elfangor is like, he's also caught up in the mad rush to feed, right? And he just barely pulls back in time to avoid eating the taxon. But he loses Arbron and Aloran in the process. So he's like off on his own, doesn't know where they are. Um, and then all of a sudden he is surrounded by hork with Dracon beams and, uh, a hork who introduces himself as Subvisor 7 steps out and is like, so, uh, what's up with you, Mr. Taxon, that doesn't want to eat the other Taxon? Uh, speaking perfect Gallard. <laughs> Gallard, yeah. He's speaking perfect Gallard. Uh, which we find out at some point around here is, is the galactic standard for... Uh, Wait a minute, it's literally galactic standard. Yeah, it it (laughs) is. Smushed together, I didn't realize that. Yes, it is. It's literally galactic standard, yeah. Gallard. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, is Yeah. Oh, no, I I was going to just stop here for a moment because of uh, just a couple little things about the spaceport. Like, for example, we see Geds again. Or have we ever actually seen Geds or just heard about them before? Uh, I feel like we might have seen Geds on a pool ship, maybe, maybe. in book five. But I'm not positive if we've seen Geds. Maybe in in an Elemist vision we saw Geds. Could be. I don't know. But yeah, there's Geds around there. We also found out the Yurks on board. Yeah. Yes, you're right. That's it. In the Yurk vision. Right. Geds. (laughs) We still don't get to hear him talk, which is too bad. <laughs> but uh, there's also Yerks, uh, the Yerks on board the ship that they didn't dump. They find out they won't be unloaded for like half a day. So there is still the possibility that if they get back, uh, they might, he might still have to dump them. Right, right. Um, so. Here's yeah, something it, I think yeah. is funny about, so, you know, you're seeing all the taxons like do their, you know, they're like carrying cargo back and forth in the trains or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that I just occurred to me, I think is pretty funny about the Yerks is they enslave races, but they, they're only their slaves mentally. <laughs> like the Yerks yeah. still actually yeah. have to do all the physical labor themselves. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah, like, it you know, sucks being a Yerk. <laughs> yeah, like on, if you're an earth tyrant, you just make other people do it. The Yerks make themselves still have to do it. Like why? Well, the why subvisors don't... don't have to do it, right? The Council yeah. of Thirteen doesn't have to do it. It sucks. <laughs> a a ground level Yerk. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> You'd think they would. Why would like maybe keep some things not enslaved and just you know keep like regular slaves instead of brain slaves? They could still like 
you can still enslave people without literally <laughs> controlling their brain. <laughs> I mean, and then then you could just hang out and watch. This makes know. it seem like the subvisors and whoever give a shit about the well-being of the low-level yerks. And yeah, they I clearly guess, don't. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> It clearly just don't. I mean, and there's also a thing where, like, it does seem like a lot of the Yerks are just happy to have a body where they can move around and see and whatever. And they're not that yeah. happy, but it's something. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But uh, Subvisor gets Elfangor as Taxon onto, the, onto a transport, and he's questioning him if he's an Andalite in Morph or a Rebel Mountain Taxon. Mm-hmm. Um which we've never heard of Rebel Mountain Taxons before. <laughs> um, and also worth noting that and that um, Morphing Tech, they say in the beginning of this book, is still top secret. So, like, this Visser guy has to know his stuff to know about morphing, right? It's not common knowledge that they can morph. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he opens a hatch, uh, revealing a taxon mound below, and uh, threatens to push him down, let him be eaten if he won't talk. Uh, and he know, and he reveals, yeah, I know you're an Andalite. I was just messing with you. Um, but says, but I'll spare your life. I won't push you out and have you be eaten to death uh, if you will give me your Andalite body. Um, but Elfangor is like, no, go fuck yourself. So he pushes him out, out the door. Um, Elfangor hits the ground and splits open. Good old taxon splitting open. Uh, and immediately he begins being eaten alive by swarms of taxons. Uh, he demorphs through the pain and is like, my tail better appear quickly uh, or else I will be eaten alive. And, you know, he manages to save himself. He manages to slash a couple of them up and, and get him to back off with his tail and fully demorphs. Um, the viscer starts shooting at him or the sub viscer starts shooting at him and sends hork down to kill him. And uh, he hides in the feeding frenzy and morphs a caffet bird and flies off back to the spaceport. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good. <laughs> yeah, good 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 fun little scene here. A uh, couple of little things in here. Uh, for example, Horkbajir yelling, "Back, you taxon Hogren Kalach!" Yeah, mm-hmm. which um, okay. By the way, that's Kalach. Isn't wife Kalachi? No, Kalashi. Oh, Kalashi. <laughs> so right. it's still pr- pretty close to the word for wife, but I guess that's just well, a coincidence. Maybe it means like fucker, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like a vulgar version. The Kalashi is the one you have sex with, but then if you vulgarize it, yeah, okay. you see what I'm saying? Sure, I, I'll buy that. I'm going to write a book on hork grammar. You should. <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> yeah. Um we also find out here that one of the council of 13 is the secret emperor, but no one knows who it is. Did we not know that? I thought we heard that before. Oh, maybe we did hear that or before. Or maybe you just told me that. I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe it did come up before, but it comes up here too. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, and um yeah. Oh, no. The other the other main thing that happens here is that when he like uh, locks eyes with Subvisor Seven. He kind of like realizes that this is his mortal enemy. Right. Uh, so we, you might get a hint as to who this Subvisor Seven might be. Well, that's what I was gonna. Say. I wasn't. I couldn't really remember. I, I felt it was. I guess maybe it's never actually stated, but it seems extremely obvious. This is Visser Three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it isn't explicitly stated here, 
right now. But yes, it is extremely obvious that it's Visser 3. <laughs> There's only one Visser that we care about who is obsessed with Andalites and wants an Andalite body. Yeah, I mean, it seems... Yeah. Like, I think even when he first introduces himself, I was like, oh, it's Visser 3. <laughs> like, yeah. It just seemed very apparent. I don't, it doesn't even seem like it was supposed to be like a twist or anything, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe it is. Uh, but it's kind of cool. I, I kind of like imagining him in a hork body. It's cool to see the, you know, yeah. the origin. Back when he was still only a hork um, Yeah. Sub-Visser 7. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it is a, you know, we got a, a good bit of action with the whole mid-air morph, or not even mid-air, like last second while he's being devoured. <laughs> yeah. Morphing back. Yeah, it's good. I do think these action scenes are kind of a bit cooler than you normally see. Cause normally it's just like, and then there was slashing and then my guts came out and then his arm got cut off. There's a little bit more like, you know, he's falling and then he's burst open. Then he's being eaten. Then his tail's got to come back. And then the hork is shooting at him. I don't know. Like there's more things happening in it. It's more coherent. Like one thing mm. leads to another. There's a, there are understandable and well-explained stakes of, it's not just, there are us in a hallway with Hork Bajir and we're hitting each other. <laughs> There's like a, a thing he has to do. I have to morph in order to get my tail in order to escape. You know, there's yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I feel like there's a, a more interesting progression from point A to point B than just smashing your action figures together. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm going to keep an eye on that through the later books of this, because I, I, I find that kind of interesting that, that that's a little bit better here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, we get to the cliffhanger ending of part one. Uh, he flies back to the spaceport as a caffet bird. Uh, he sees that somehow the Jahar is landing, even though, you know, they left it with the engines off. Um, so it shouldn't be here. And uh, Chapman steps out and he converses with Subvisor 7 in like mime speech because he can't do Gallard. Um, and he shows Visser 3 Lauren, who he has all tied up, or Subvisor 7 Lauren, who he has all tied up. And he says he wants to trade, quote, a whole planet full of that, unquote. Yeah. So, so dun dun dun. Once again, Chapman is just acting like a dick. Yeah, Chapman is just fucking selling out all of humanity for, I don't know, power or whatever. Yeah, which just seems like, yes, from what we had known before, this seems like what Chapman would do with a yerk in his head already. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what I assumed when the ship was coming down. I was thinking, oh, those two yerks infested the two humans, and now they're just going to give them the ship. That's what I figured was happening. Mm -hmm. But no, they're just humans. I mean, we don't know. They could be still yerks. I, I guess you're right. I guess I don't know. It is um, kind of odd that he doesn't speak Gallard. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, why would he? Why would he? Yeah, it doesn't. Why would he offer a trade? No, it doesn't make sense <laughs> unless he's a human. Uh, but yeah, we have we just in time for to hit ninety plus minutes. We have now finished with part one. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's perfect timing. <laughs> and I do think the next parts we, we got a lot we got a lot of the preamble stuff out of the way. I do think the next two parts will be shorter. But yeah, hopefully. But uh yeah, I mean pretty compelling part one of this book introduces a lot of new concepts, fleshes out some backstories, 
the more we talk about the stuff with Chapman, the less sense I, it makes and the less I like it because that's starting to really feel like a George Lucas kind of thing right now. Yeah, that's reasonable because I never liked that. <laughs> um, but I mean, we'll, I don't know. We'll see how that develops. I'm actually pretty confused about how that's going to develop. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff here that I can imagine is very confusing as to how it's going to develop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, I mean, it's only part one, but it does structurally pretty much feel like it fits the vibe. Like this feels like a kind of the format of a standalone book in some ways, in terms of the structure and the pacing of the introduction mm. scene, the, then you get the plot and then the action climax. It it works well kind of on its own. And it didn't feel, again, it, it felt not rushed. It felt like everything made sense except for the things that don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's nice to see what she can do when she actually has 300 pages to work with. Uh, right. And isn't trying to jam it at all into this short Although, little. Although know. I, I am still confused about like, wasn't this still the next monthly release? Like all three parts. I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't understand I don't how 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 she wrote these books. Like the literal physical, how did she have time to write them? Yeah, I, that is definitely a mystery to me. Uh, <laughs> like it makes sense when she's using ghostwriters later, but she's not right now, and I don't. I don't unless, know. What's up with unless unless her and her husband just like would just trade off chapters or something. I I, I don't. I don't know what their process was. Like, it's just. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess there were two people involved to some extent. Like, it just seems crazy. I don't, I can't even, I was crazy with just one book, a book that's almost three times as long. I can't right? even imagine. <laughs> uh, now, the real good news is since there is no, only two humans in this book, they're barely in it. There's only two pop culture references that I found. Yep, same here. And we pretty much already said them both. Yeah. One of them is when she calls a Nah a Twinkie, which there's no translation for in the Andalite language. Mm -hmm. And the other one is when <laughs> Chapman, I believe it's Chapman, straight up just says, it's a phaser like on that old Star Trek show. I can't believe they took that off the air. Now it's just on reruns. Which I guess in the 70s you would be saying that. Although I think the movies probably should have been coming out around that time, but maybe not. Yeah, could be. But that's it. I'm that's not it. A truckhead. Yeah, that's I, it. I, I thought that I, I thought there wouldn't be any humans. You know, I was like, wow, this is gonna be our first book with no pop culture. <laughs> not quite. Couldn't quite make it without referencing Star Trek. <laughs> yes it was it was the all the implicit references weren't enough we needed someone to say it yeah well we'll see eventually we'll we'll beat this but this might be our record for a long time for least pop culture references oh yeah yeah for sure uh but uh yeah I, i'm excited to get to parts two and three yeah i'm excited too i'm very uh hyped for it um and uh yeah I don't know if we have any more business before we close this out finally. I have no more business, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. My handle's at Quince, and you can also uh, go to my website, jonathanestes.com, and you'll find my other podcasts and projects there. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at DogTimesMcGee. Yeah, and Thanks your website is? I don't have a website. 
Okay. Screw that. I don't even know if I'll have that Twitter that much longer. Your website is, uh, I thought it was taxonlover.org. <laughs> you're, you're confusing it with my aim handle. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing The Andalite Chronicles Part 2, Aloran's Choice, in which a ship flies around some planets on the Yerky Boys. Mm-hmm.